everyone and welcome back to the Game of Thrones Tower of Babel Breakdown. I'm Julian Muche and this is Daniel D'Souza. Yo. Uh, today we'll be discussing Season 4, Episode 3, Breaker of Chains. Of course, we will be spoiling everything up to and including this week's episode. Uh, for those who aren't aware, I have never read any of the books and as such we discuss the show as a show. Um, but on the other side of the coin we have Dan over here who has read all of the books, but of course he'll keep his mouth shut when it comes to book spoilers, so don't worry about that. Um, uh, yeah, so before we jump in, I just want to say something, speaking of spoilers, is that um, like the situation of Game of Thrones is so unique with uh, such a like a passionate viewing audience and a passionate book readers and like a story that almost above all other media, like stories like necessitates no spoilers. Um, <laughs> how I've managed to actually stay relatively spoiler-free. You, um, I kind of got spoiled for one thing that I'm still not sure if it's even true or not, so I'm not even going to... Um, I'm not going to mention it here, obviously. Um, but like for things like The Red Wedding and like Ned's beheading in Season 1, didn't didn't know it was coming, was super surprised. Everything that's like with the Purple Wedding, I guess people call it, last week, that was okay. a shock to me. Did people You've heard that before, Dan, The Purple Wedding? No, I have not. Apparently people have been calling it that. Um, I've been seeing that online a lot. Um, but anyway, <coughs> this week uh, is called Breaker of Change. We'll just get right into it then. Um, so we'll start in King's Landing. Uh, Sir Dantos and Sansa. It picks up like right after, like immediately after where it, it left off. It picks up with uh, Joffrey's dead face. I yeah. Think. And uh, you even kind of it has even a little bit of an overlap where you see um, the final scene from last week from a different angle as Sansa's leaving, um, mm-hmm. and so Dantos is kind of ushering her away um, to some I guess to like down through the streets into a boat, um, and this boat gets them to another creepy boat in the middle of fog somewhere in the in the the bay there I guess, um, and who do we see? None other than uh, our friend, my friend and yours, uh, Littlefinger, <laughs> um, who apparently was supposed to have been in the Erie this whole time. Yeah, or we're so we were told anyway. Yeah. Um, so obviously he was or still is somehow involved in the murder of the king. He knew what was going to happen. He had Dantos. He had this plan for a couple of weeks now, I guess. Uh, Dantos. Mm-hmm. He had Dantos approach on Sansa with the fake necklace, which we find out is fake. And you mentioned last week asking whether or not I re- remember her wearing it at the wedding. Turns out she was, um, which you um, made it pretty clear that it was obviously that she probably was. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, was she, wasn't she? Wasn't she? Um, <laughs> So find out that that's a big fake. Uh, then Dantos gets murdered because everyone gets murdered, and uh, it's a loose end. Yeah, well, I mean, he's he's pretty good at tying up those actually when it comes yeah. to that kind of stuff. Um, and then we have Littlefinger being kind of a creep, like not that he hasn't been before, but with Sansa, we knew from like even way back in season one that he had a thing for um, Stark women. So apparently, he's finally getting <laughs> his wish. Here. One of them, yeah, yeah. Um, so, what can we take away from this, um, as far as the murder investigation and the and everything else? Well, I mean, I'm not, I'm not sure it maybe answers a couple questions, but probably raises more. It's clear that Littlefinger was involved, not clear in what capacity. Um, the murder itself is still not clear. All you know is that Little Littlefinger had some part in the in orchestrating it, and that that necklace was not what he Shasta thought it was. Well, that's true. Um, Jeremy just texted me about later today. He's wondering if we're recording the other podcast today. For those of you wondering, we are in fact recording the po- the other podcast today, uh, the Tower of Babel podcast. Um, so expect that sometime this week as well, um, as far as up on the iTunes and everything. Um, anyway, yeah. So I really, I like this scene a lot. It just by the surprise and the creepiness of it. Um, 
obviously little having Littlefinger back in in play is interesting. He's always yeah. he's been a like interesting part of the show <coughs> for a long time. Also, it's kind of cool to have Sansa doing something other than being bullied in King's Landing. She's actually going to a different place. Yeah, and assuming she probably won't be back at King's Landing unless, yeah. and if she is, it's probably going to be in a dungeon. So yeah. Um. So we'll move on from there. I mean, like I can't think of anything else that we haven't really touched on. Other uh, than he said that he said that the boat was taking her home. Mm, right. So whatever that means <laughs> ominous i guess you can't she can't really go home to uh winterfell winterfell's a smoldering mess but yeah. she doesn't know really know that i think she probably no it's not no, that, that was kind of well known the iron Bo- that was uh, the boltons it's not really no one knows what's going on in the north okay um well then there's that but uh other than that it kind of plays into i think I'll, I'll, I'll kind of touch on the stuff that we mentioned at the end of last week so if you didn't listen to last week we kind of um, went through who are the possible murder suspects in the the whole joffrey uh whodunit mystery um mm-hmm. so as we kind of learn more things i'll kind of touch on some of those theories that we had um and some that we might have missed as we go through this so as far as this one i mentioned that um dantos obviously had knew something ahead of time but now we find out yeah he did and that the mastermind really here was uh Littlefinger. What to what extent he was the, the the only player? I don't assume that you know it's pretty much impossible that he was. That, so finding out more will be interesting. And just who is he working with? Well, yeah, the thing like Littlefinger wasn't there. So how did yeah. Joffrey get poisoned? Exactly. And it's it doesn't seem like that was Dantos. No, he doesn't. Uh, uh, no, he doesn't seem like the type who would be capable of doing that uh, mm-hmm. or given the opportunity to. Um, so then we have Marjorie and Lady Olena. They're having a nice little chat in the gardens, as they usually do. And uh, Marjorie's lamenting her bad luck with husbands. So now Renly being gay and can consummate that marriage. And then obviously getting killed. And then uh, now with Joffrey, Joffrey monster. and not also not consummating the marriage and now being killed. So she's, you know, two for two, bad luck. Um, she's kind of pissed that she's not queen. So this is kind of touches again on what I had last week that... Now, how involved were the Tyrells? My kind of was predicated on the fact that um, if she was now, if she, if by murdering Joffrey at that moment she then became queen, then they'd have more, um, um, or she'd become queen regent. She'd be more uh, there, there'd be more reason for them to actually go ahead and be involved in that murder in some way. Mm-hmm. But now there's a question that she, if like what position she really has, if any. Um, so, well, she still has the queen regent position. It's just not as as powerful a claim as if she had been preg- impregnated. Are we sure? We're sure about that. That's what, that's what Lady Olena says. She has more more power than you had before, but less than if you had been impregnated. Okay. Um, so either way, it, it seems like it seems unlikely that uh, Marjorie was involved just based on her reactions. Um, she didn't see. She obviously wasn't expecting that. Yeah. And uh, but so that kind of that rules her out. But Olena still can very much be in play i think there's nothing that she says here that really rules her out as being um a player in in the murder in my opinion mm-hmm. um so she also lena also reminds us why the lannister tyrell relationship like partnership is still really important so can you explain kind of why that's still important for both houses well it's it's more about like strength and arms than anything else it's 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 uh, uniting the west and the south against everyone else. The two most powerful houses, the two most the two richest houses. <clears throat> that's that's the whole reason that that uh, Joffrey and Marjorie were set to marry was that it would be uniting that and creating a dynasty. Mm-hmm. So there's still and that's yeah so that's we, something that Lady Olena mentions a, a, afterwards. She says, um, "You did really good work with Joffrey. The next one will be easier." Yeah, assuming that it's um... and then it cuts to a scene with Tommen. Yeah. Well, that that whole that seems pretty busy. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, but uh, she also mentions that uh, she's better off with Joffrey dead, and I would have to probably agree with that. Oh yeah. Um, considering how Joffrey treats his women, pretty much see. everyone's better with Joffrey. Dead. Yeah. Um, so, which is why the the murder is interesting, which we talked about last week. Um. So I, I mentioned that. Yeah, the big takeaway for me was that she is not kind of queen not sure what really it's going mm-hmm. like how that's really working um so yeah we'll move on into the scene in the sept what's it Danny, what's the name of the sept the sept of balor mm-hmm. and so they mentioned that he built it in this scene which is kind of cool he's the one that uh had the giant dragon right balor the blessed yeah no no a- Aegon the conqueror had the giant uh, dragon balor is just one of the kings he's just called balor the blessed he's the most pious and holy king okay okay um 
I like always I like always touching on like the the history of it. I think it gives a lot of context for what's going on now, um, as far as Westeros and stuff. Um, but okay, so we have Tommen and Tywin. This is this is the winner of best scene of the episode for me uh, <laughs> by far. Is this is this dialogue out of the book at all or somewhat? Not not directly, but no. a lot of this like you're very familiar when you read the books. You're very familiar with all the lore and the history of the kings, the lineage sure, and stuff sure. like that. But like th- this conversation does that does this conversation happen between Tywin and um Tommen in the books no no not like that no okay well then uh, another win for I guess the showrunners and for mm-hmm. having a really great scene that they invented uh this is like like I said it's my favorite of the scene but it's also a winner for worst timing uh in an episode because Tywin has little to no respect for the fact that Joffrey's literally dying is dead right in front of him <laughs> with his mourning mother right next door. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Tywin really cares about that kind of no, stuff. No, he doesn't. But... Obviously not. Um, so she's obviously still mourning her dead son. Um, even even says to, to Tywin, like, this, this isn't really the time or place for you to be having this conversation. But the conversation itself is great. Your brother is dead. Do you know what that means? I'm not trying to trick you. It means I'll become king. Yes, you will become king. What kind of king do you think you'll be? A good king? Hmm. I think so as well. You've got the right temperament for it. But what makes a good king? Hmm? What is a good king's single most important quality? This is hardly the place of the time. Holiness? Baylor the Blessed was holy and pious. He built this sept. He also named a six-year-old boy High Septon because he thought the boy could work miracles. He ended up fasting himself into an early grave because food was of this world and this world was sinful. Justice. Yeah. Good king must be just. Horus the first was just. Everyone applauded his reforms, nobles and commoners alike, but he wasn't just for long. He was murdered in his sleep after less than a year by his own brother. Was that truly just of him, to abandon his subjects to an evil that he was too gullible to recognize? No. No. What about strength? Yes, strength. King Robert was strong. He won the rebellion and crushed the Targaryen dynasty. And he attended three small council meetings in 17 years. He spent his time pouring and hunting and drinking until the last two killed him. So, we have a man who starves himself to death, a man who lets his own brother murder him, and a man who thinks that winning and ruling are the same thing. What do they all lack? Wisdom. Yes. Wisdom is what makes a good king. Yes. But what is wisdom, hmm? A house with great wealth and fertile lands asks you for your protection against another house with a strong navy that could one day oppose you. How do you know which choice is wise and which isn't? Any experience of treasuries and granaries or shipyards and soldiers? No. No, of course not. A wise king knows what he knows and what he doesn't. You're young. A wise young king listens to his counselors and heeds their advice until he comes of age. And the wisest kings continue to listen to them long afterwards. Your brother was not a wise king. Your brother was not a good king. If he had been, perhaps he'd still be alive. It actually sets up the fact that Tommen will be the next king, which, unless you were like very, very paying attention to everything that was going on, he was pretty much invisible for the entire series. Yeah, oh, for sure. So now you needed this scene to say, hey, guess what? This guy's going to be king next. Um... Who, for the people who had no idea, 
Um, so they go through a whole uh, cold dialogue, and he says, well, what, what makes a good king? You know, um, holiness, wrong, justice, no power, no... Um, so it's all about wisdom. And then he has this great line about saying, your brother was not a wise king. Your brother was not a good king. If he had been, perhaps he'd still be alive, which, again, is still, which is very true, but, you know, tough considering his, you know, his daughter is right yeah. next there, right next to him. Um, also, it's cool how, I don't know if it was intentional. Of course, it was intentional. The time when it takes him away from Cersei, and it's like, Cersei doesn't have power over her son. She's not going to corrupt this one. She's not going to ruin this one like mm-hmm. she did Joffrey. Yeah. Tywin's going to mentor him and, and do it right. Which, I guess, in terms of making a good king, would actually probably be uh, a lot better. I mean, not that it would be, um, you know... It's hard to say. Like, Ty- Tywin is... He's got... He has his, like, his aims and he has, like, goals. Yeah. Some of them, like, kind of fit with what our goals for what a good Westeros might be. Some might not, you know... He's definitely that. not the most ethical king. No, he'd, he'd be he'd be uh, he'd be a just king, I think, to a certain extent. Well, he said he's got the right temperament for it, which yeah. I liked. Um, so and then they have a nice little uh, conversation about how sex works, uh, and he says that it's all pretty <laughs> straightforward, which uh, is pretty funny. Um, so one of the few times that we have it doesn't happen very often, at least it doesn't in my in my mind. Is so they have uh, a scene between two characters leaving. Um, and then having another character come by and like come in and then stay in the same room, no cut, um, well, no direct cut to another time or place, and then have mm-hmm. another scene in the same place between two different characters, which I, I thought was pretty cool. Um, yeah, it's not often the show has that opportunity. Everyone's so spaced out. Now that everyone's in the capital for a little bit, it's good to yeah. do that. Which is what they kind of did with uh, yesterday at the wed- uh, last week at the wedding. Um, yeah. So this scene with Jamie and Cersei... Um, is pretty messed up. Uh, <laughs> um, Cersei's, <laughs> Cersei's um, still, like I said, she's still mourning, but uh, she's out for blood now. She wants revenge, and she's certain that Ty, uh, Tyrion is responsible. She knows for, beyond a shadow of a doubt Tyrion has to be responsible. She even quotes that great line that everyone loves with the whole, a day will come when you think you are safe and happy and your joy will turn to ashes in your mouth, and you know mm-hmm. the debt is paid. So, Dan, can you give us context? When did he say that, and why did he say that? said that in season two, and it, it was just a combination of her tormenting him. I can't remember the exact circumstances, but she's always hated him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I don't remember exactly what she did. She's probably talking about his first marriage and his, his wife. Yeah. Um, that's a sore spot for Tyrion. Yeah, well, that's fair. So anyway, yeah. Um, so she's absolutely certain he did it. Uh, Jamie, not so much. She wants him to go and kill uh, Tyrion. He, I don't think he's quite on board with that um, at all, really. No. <laughs> um, but, uh, and they start, they kind of mourn together. They kind of, um, is do they ever like directly say that you know that uh, Joffrey was their kid? They never really say it. Um, I think it's been said. It's before. been said maybe once or twice, but they say it here that it was their child, uh, not obviously hers and um, old King Roberts. The um, weird thing is that like Jamie doesn't care about that. Like Cersei's the only one that cares about it being their son. Jamie couldn't care. He never even liked Joffrey. Yeah, that's true. Which is really weird, actually. There's he had yeah. no. Yeah. I guess it probably comes from the fact that his his dad never really liked him at all. <laughs> uh, you could probably trace it back to that anyway. Um, let's see here. Um, what else? Okay. Well, then, the the best, <laughs> not the best, though the major part of the scene, I guess, would be uh, the rape. I would be, it's, which is wrong on like so yeah. many levels. It's just yes. it's wrong because it's her sister. It's wrong because it's rape. It's wrong because there's a dead there's a dead son right next to them. <laughs> it's like, she even says it, that's, it's wrong. She even says it out loud, which kind of, you know, um, coming from hers, is, her mouth is a little uh, hypocritical. Um, mm-hmm. But he also has that, and then Jamie also has that great line of why the gods make me love a hateful woman, which I think everyone in the show would probably, who watches the show probably would agree with. Um, so yeah, that, that's <laughs> pretty messed up. It's just, it, it, so we haven't had seen anything quite, um, like that in a while, so that was interesting. That was uh, uh, classic Game of Thrones, I think, um, at its at its most. What's the word I'm looking for here, Dan? Disturbing. Disturbing. Yeah. Um, so we'll move over to the Riverlands, and we have uh, 
Arya and the Hound uh, have come across a nice farmer and his nice daughter. <laughs> um, they take them in. They make some rabbit soup, um, which presumably tasted really good. They kept saying it was really good. <laughs> now they haven't eaten for a while, so yeah. anything tastes good. So um, he off the farmer offers uh, the Hound honest pay for honest work, which is funny for coming um, toward the for the Hound. Um, and uh, then we find out that he robs him of whatever silver yeah. he has left. Um, so what's really the what was really the point of the scene? For me, it's weird because it kind of backpedals both um, Arya's character development and the Hound's character development. Well, that's kind of the point. Like the Hound was seeming not necessarily like a good guy, but he was seeing more and more like a redeemable character. And this is just he, you know, shades a gray shirt, but he really is just a gray area out for himself character. Sure, that's true. I mean, but Arya seemed more, especially the last two, more ruthless, for sure, in the last two. I guess maybe seeing um, some basic humanity from these people maybe reminded her of what that is. Well, um, I think Arya's, like, ruthless towards people she considers enemies, but she still believes that there are good people out there and doesn't want anything bad to happen to them, you know? Okay, yeah. she, She's not so selfish as the Hound. That's fair. So, anyways, I... They just never really resolved. Do they just leave with the gold, with the silver? Is that what happens? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. And then he has a, he has a cool line where he's where he says something along the lines of the world not being fair and how many stars do they have to be head before you learn that. <laughs> yeah, that that is a good line. The burn. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, okay. I, it wasn't my favorite scene. That's of the week. That's we'll put it that way. Um. So we head to Castle Black now for the first time um, of two of uh, twice that we head there this week. Um, Sam is so this is this is really weird to me. Sam is worried about all the rapers that the Night's Watch employs, which is a lot apparently, um, yeah. and takes uh, Gilly uh, and Sam Junior to Molestown to 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 do what? To work in the brothel, but she's but, not a whore. She just cleans up. So now. she's <laughs> he's worried about. Um, Sexual assault yeah. in <laughs> and takes his um, I don't know what would you call her uh, uh, girlfriend I guess to yeah. um, to a whorehouse to work that doesn't make any sense that Sam's usually pretty smart this is probably one of the dumbest things he's ever done it is done. pretty dumb and also the other, just the other thing sense. about it is um, that town Wolstown and that whorehouse specifically they are there kind of to serve the Night's Watch yeah, they're so not you, supposed to but a lot of the men in the Night's Watch go there specifically for that reason so you're not even you know exactly so you're gonna have people from the night's watch heading down there and then gilly's just gonna are gonna just be there the whole in a, time in a the place night. that they go to have sex exactly and drink yeah. <laughs> so this like not uh not sam's finest hour i'd say um and it all happened pretty quick like he comes in he talks like they're plucking chickens i guess and or ducks and uh and then next thing we know, they're on a horse and they're out of there. And like, there's like a condom. It's like, it's just like, like weird. By the way, they have condoms there in, in Westeros. <laughs> I guess. I guess so. Um, reusable ones. Um, but anyway, I, I just thought this was silly. It just didn't seem like a great, it just wasn't a good idea. It doesn't really make like, it was kind of poorly executed, goes by quick. Yeah. And then yeah. like, I guess we needed to, they have to put a little filler in all these episodes because there's a lot of badass stuff happening around it. And well, no, you don't have to though. You don't have to use filler. There's this because you have to check in with these characters. You have to like, otherwise people would forget about Sam. And then when he showed up, when he has an important seed, they'd be like, "Oh, what the fuck is this? Has he been doing this whole time?" I guess I don't know. I'm just it, I don't I don't buy it. <laughs> I don't like it either. But... I don't. I just don't think it doesn't also seem. It just doesn't fit his character. Like it just doesn't sound like something that Sam would do or seem like something he would do. So um... I don't know. Um, well, let's move away from that. We'll come back to King's uh, Castle Black later. Um, we go to Dragonstone. Rainy, gloomy. Uh, Just like big, big surprise. We see Stannis, and he's finally learned that Joffrey's dead. Didn't take him long. Um, and he thinks that Melisandre's leeches uh, killed Joffrey. So, touching on some of my theories from last week, I definitely mentioned that that, I think would be is an interesting topic and it's something to discuss and he brings it up here um and he 100 spent believes that he was responsible for um joffrey's death which is interesting i think it's 
Um, That's hard to see. Exactly. Yeah. I still think he played. I still think that whole the leeching and the the whole like hex thing still played a role. I'm not sure what or how yet, but I think it'll come together. Um, we'll see. Um, so then he gives Davos the gears as usual about not you know being useful. Uh, he's been, I guess, trying to gather houses um, for for Stannis's army. Kind of, kind of going a little slowly, but there's not a lot left. Yeah, no. So he's, um, but he's also doing reading lessons, I guess, and reading and writing lessons with uh, Shireen. Yeah, Shireen being Stannis's um, scaled face daughter, um, and when they're doing that, she inadvertently kind of inspires him. Uh, inspires Davos with an idea to hire an army from, uh, I guess, from Essos. Is well, it- not quite. He he's, he's, he mentions to Stannis before he talks to Shireen about uh, hiring the Golden Company, which is a, a mercenary company from across the Narrow Sea. Kind of like the ten- Second Sons? Yeah, same idea. They're just one of the other companies. Okay. So, But Stannis, for whatever reason, doesn't want to do that. But then afterwards, when he's reading with Shireen... Um, they're reading a book about uh, Bravosi, the first sort of Bravos, and he re- starts talking about the Iron Bank. Again, and has an idea that has something to do with the Iron Bank. Okay, so this is, uh, I guess we can start playing Iron Bank uh, drinking games now. This is the third mention of it in two weeks. Um, yep. So, the Iron Bank is owed a lot of money from the throne, right? Yes. Yeah. What? Um, so what would be their what would be the benefit of for the Bank of Bravos to side with Stannis in taking back or for as far as a loan to take back the throne? Wouldn't that just deepen the debt that the throne would already be in? Well, I think what would happen is if if Stannis were to take over anything that the Lannisters owed or to what was owed to the Lannisters would be negated, and and any of the the promises that they made or the contracts that they had would would also be negated. So they it would free up a lot of capital for them to pay off the iron bank i, I would assume I, I i it's a little confusing that seemed getting into like i guess <laughs> the financial it's, it's, situation yeah, of yeah, the, yeah. but the whole thing is the, the thing that doesn't make a lot of sense about it is that that um the crown is in debt from when robert was king with yeah. the iron bank so it's not even the lannister's debt they just inherited it as well okay. although cersei was there that's, the what I'm, that's what i'm saying so you have then you take on a, another put another king on the throne the debt is still to the throne not to the family that's on the throne yeah so what would that? That's what I mean. Like that's where it's like, well, what would be the point then, for I guess just to get I guess more interest from the bank. I guess I don't know. I don't know something along those, or, or maybe that the two of them together can leverage the Lannisters and Tyrells and actually get the bank's money. You know. Yeah, that's. Um, yeah, is there only one bank in in, in this whole <laughs> in this whole world? I, I, there's a bunch, but the Iron Bank is like the big, the the famous one. It's the like bank the ones. okay. It's like the the world bank or something you know yeah lends yeah. to different countries but much more like nefarious <laughs> oh yeah it's called the iron bank then <laughs> you can't trust the listen if i had if i was the <laughs> if i was living in westeros and i had a little bit of gold to um and i wanted to keep safe the last place that i want to put it is the iron bank <laughs> i would sooner hide it under my uh my mattress if those exist there <laughs> um so we'll come back to King's Landing again. Uh, now we're in a brothel. Uh, we'll get the requisite orgy scene of the of the week, which was t- pretty typical. Um, but there's actually lots of little things to take note of here beyond um, the other little things. <laughs> um, so we get some pillow talk about bi- about being bisexual, whatever, um, and then. Tyrant or Tywin interrupts the whole thing, which actually makes for two Lannister interruptions of orgies, which either means that they have really bad timing or that Oberyn is just always having orgies. Um, <laughs> you yeah, know, it's probably a combination <laughs> of both. <laughs> which we already know that Tywin does have terrible timing, so maybe that's just what it is. Um, so we actually learned some interesting things about the legal system in Westeros, which, by the way, didn't even know existed. Didn't know there was a legal system. Um, I've kind of kind of thought it was just if you were accused of something by the by like the queen, you were just guilty automatically. You know what I mean? Well, they've but, kind of touched on it a little bit too, like with Tyrion's trial at the Eyrie and stuff. Yes, kind of a little bit. That's been they, so they, long know, though. They, 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 they always they mentioned it, but it's never been a big part until now. So we learned that there's three judges are necessary in this case of, of in cases i guess are they for all cases or just for special ones no three 
For all cases. For all cases. Okay. And do they need to make a unanimous decision, or does it have to be two or three? I believe it has to be unanimous. Okay. I don't remember. Um, so we have the three judge, uh, judges, Tywin and Mace Terrell. Uh, and then now Tywin is offering uh, Oberyn a spot on um, the, I guess, the judging committee. Um, but before all that, they have a great talk about... Um, you know, he kind of accuses him, uh, or Oberyn kind of accuses Tywin of the whole niece murder rape thing again. He can't, can't really having a hard time getting over that. And uh, <laughs> and then Tywin does some kind of, uh, uh, you know, investigative work about what him and uh, Tyrion were talking about from episode one when they had at, the, at this exact same place. Um, they had pretty much the same conversation. Exactly. Yeah. So you have this almost the same thing play out, but then you have uh, Tywin doing a little... Um, kind of throws in a, a curveball, offers Oberyn the spot on, as a judge, and then on top of that gives him, at, says, hey, you know, here's a spot on the small council, um, which he learns is important because A, uh, Bravo, uh, was it not Bravos? Um, Dorn. Dorn somehow managed to avoid the whole getting burnt uh, thing when the... Um, when Aegon came. Yeah, okay, when, when the, all the dragons came over for the first time. Um, they don't... They don't really touch on why. I assume we'll learn that later. I don't, or, I mean, it's in the it's in the history books, but we don't know exactly why yeah. um, that happened. And then um, saying that it's not the, really the true uh, Seven Kingdoms unless um, they're back in the fold, kind of really, you know. Um, Which never quite left, but they have. They've been sitting out. They haven't really been a part of anything up until now. So ever since the rebellion, have they not been involved in any like meaningful way? Well, no, no. When Robert was king, there were seven kingdoms, and Dorne was in- included, and they yeah. were back and forth. Like, Elia, uh, Oberyn's sister, was in the capital, right? Yes. But uh, since the War of the Five Kings, they never really chose a side. They haven't, they've just stayed out of it, and, and everything is so messy right now. But, Tywin is trying to reunite everything. So when did when did his niece get raped and murdered? When did that happen? That was his sister. A sister, excuse me. When did that happen? <clears throat> uh, during Robert's Rebellion, when the Lannisters took the city, they okay. took King's Landing. Because okay. they had been sitting out of that whole war, and Tywin was the hand of the king at the time, and then they went to King's Landing, pretended to be friends, got inside, and destroyed the city. Okay, so that's what that happened. So that's his when niece the mad and, king was. So is that his niece and his uh, his his sister have both been raped and murdered? I'm confused <laughs> no, now. His sister was raped and murdered. The two kids were just murdered. Okay, by, by the mountain and and the Lannister. And this all murdered. happened at the same time during the yeah. rebellion. Okay. This all happened like right as Jamie killed the Mad King. Okay. All right. Okay. Good to set up the timeline. Um, either way, um, the scene was it had a full like small little details that you could take away. He mentions uh, Danny with her dragons for the first time. I think. Um, yeah. Maybe not for the first time, but now for sure, saying like, "Hey, she's gonna. This is gonna be a big deal. Eventually, we should definitely be you know, be proactive here." Yeah. Um, so. We also okay. One thing I forgot. We also learned that Oberyn uh, knows a lot about poisons. Apparently, yeah, that's something they hadn't mentioned. I I would been trying to not mention as well because we knew that Joffrey was poisoned. But now yeah. that they've mentioned it, he's known as the Red Viper of Dorne. He's like famous for using poison when he fights people. Okay, well that's <clears> cool. <throat> um, yeah, I mean it kind of makes sense that they would wait till after the murder to kind of reveal that um, that whole thing. Otherwise, you would just be thinking all oh, right away that he was him because he got poisoned, right? Which yeah. makes sense in the retrospect. You say, hey, well, he was poisoned. He he pro- it could probably could have been him. For all we know, um, we still don't know. So, touching on that, for sure, Oberyn's still a possible suspect um, in my mind, uh, and uh, so is Tywin, which actually we'll touch on in a second because uh, Tyrion brings that up. Uh, actually, mm-hmm. um, when you know the next scene, so we get to the dungeon, uh, which is a lot more well lit than uh, the one that Ned was in. <laughs> um, and Podrick comes to visit, brings him some snacks, which is really nice of him. <laughs> and uh, he kind of fills in Tyra, uh, Tyrion has been what's going on uh, since he got captured or taken into custody. Um, so his wife, his gone missing since the uh, the death of Joffrey. Uh, Oberyn is now on the jury, like we just said, as well as Mace. Uh, the trial is in a fortnight, which is, what, two weeks? Is that two weeks? In... It's 20 days. 20 days, okay. And uh, he isn't allowed to see Bronn because Bronn's also under investigation as being a, a I guess, a known accomplice. Yeah, <laughs> um, but he may be allowed to see Jamie. Yes, 
maybe. But we but that's, know that, that's pretty much all he's got at this point. Which is interesting because if Jamie would go through with killing Tyrion, like Cersei mm-hmm. asked, that would obviously give him an opportunity. Even though um, it seems unlikely he would, it would it would that would give him the opportunity to do that. Um, yeah. Even if he thinks that he um, he only has a few people left he can trust, and one being Jamie, that would be quite the blow for Tyrion. Um, so Tyrion mentions that his father very well could have be could be setting him up to uh take the fall for joffrey's death um which is also very possible we already know that um we've seen Tyrion now start or tywin's they have so many ty names <laughs> tywin now start uh manipulating um everyone essentially but now he's starting he's got his, his hooks into the new uh, king to be and um what are they called what's it, when a king's not quite yet king what are they called Dan? I'm not sure. No, he's just, Tommen is just the king. Or, um... No, there was a name for it before jo- before Joffrey got his, like, whole coronation and all that stuff. Remember? No, I'm not sure. I don't remember. Ah, whatever. Anyway. Um... Well, I completely lost where my, my train of thought. Where were we? we were, okay, so yeah. Uh, Tywin... <laughs> He's manipulating people. There's no. He doesn't see any reason that Ty wouldn't wouldn't kill Joffrey. Everyone know. Everyone wanted Joffrey dead. Ty, uh, mm-hmm. Tyrion's very well aware of this. It's kind of the scene. Kind of walks us through what everyone's thinking and says, "Okay, so who's respons- Who could be responsible?" Um, I'm obviously being, um, a, you know, set up to take the fall. Whoever is um, setting me up has obviously uh, took in Cersei, uh, Asansa out of the city for that same reason to make me look yeah. more guilty, uh, which we know is probably true that's probably a part of little fingers or whoever's plan um little fingers sneaky enough to to think that that far um ahead that many moves ahead um so yeah he but he does say he's absolutely certain that cersei is the only person he he know would not be responsible as um, much of a monster as she is he doesn't think she would kill her own son like that which i think i said last week as well yeah everyone can agree with that um other than that, uh, maybe that's what they want you to think. Well, maybe, but it doesn't. doesn't <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> no, don't don't play like my, with my head like that. <laughs> um, Pod also reveals that he's been he'd been approached um, to, I guess, bribed to testify against Tyrion. We already know that Varys is testifying against him, assume, mm-hmm. assuming he has some sort of. Um, motive there as well there's got to be something he always just kind of sticks with the winning side yes i guess that's true um and now that joffrey's dead he doesn't have to kind of side with Tyrion because he Mm -hmm. was kind of taking Tyrion's side knowing that you know he can maybe help save you know the 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 kingdom realm when yeah the realm he likes to say the realm when joffrey's you know trying to fuck it up and um other than that so he said pot obviously turned it down he then tells Pod that, you know, he's the most loyal squire or whatever, which is probably true. He's been through a lot of stuff for him. and um, Saved his life, yeah. Yeah. And then tells him to flee the capital, <clears throat> which um, I guess for if anyone who's a fan of Pod, you would say that's probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, other than that, is there anything else from this scene that you want, that I missed or that you want to, to mention? He doesn't belong there. <laughs> well, I think, okay. That's another thing. So when I when I mentioned that, um, as some of my theories, the one was that he'd somehow actually been the one responsible. He's obviously not. It see, or it yeah, seems very yeah. clear that he's obviously not the one who killed. That only leaves a couple, and we'll touch on whoever's left in a minute. Yeah. I'm pretty sure most people like Tyrion's obviously being blamed. He like yeah, he's being he would he would have been like he says himself. He would have been a lot smarter about it if he wanted to do this. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's a great line. He's like, yeah, if I wouldn't. If I'd been done it, I wouldn't be standing there gawking like a fool. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, south of the wall, uh, so just south of the wall, still up north, um, we get um, some nice, a nice, a nice family talking about potatoes. You know, it's like <laughs> jokes. Everyone's happy. Oh wait, you're dead because Eager just shot you in the back of the neck, um, and the wildlings kill everyone leave one boy alive to tell them what happened at castle black um so when we get there they're discussing what they want to do um i think a lot of them want to help the villagers south of the wall um but they agreed that they actually agree on something and that they can't go out because 
it plays right into their hand by going out and yeah. trying to, to protect them. Um, <clears throat> we get a number here. I, I think we've been talking about it, and I'm not sure. We haven't had the right numbers, but now they say they have about 100 guys there. Yeah. Which is absolutely nothing compared they tell us to about, they the tell us about three times they tell like, they tell us three times yeah uh, 100 people and he's like and then there's the line saying like, if we each kill 100 wildlings uh there's still be some left over and that still one, won't even stop him. yeah and the guy is like I, I don't think i could kill 100 wildlings <laughs> um so they agree that they can't do that um because they only have 100 men they can't risk anyone to go yeah, out they there. need him every single man on the wall yeah so and then we get a nice you know uh surprise we get some mute some some of the i guess survivors of the mutiny that happened at crasher's keep um and i think you have to be a little skeptical of the people who you know you know what i mean like can you really yeah. trust these guys it, well i mean they came back for a reason exactly either, well they came back either because they needed to survive because they escaped like they said or yeah. because they're well, no, you know who both those guys are. You, I think at this point in the show, we trust them. They were what? They're but friends with friends with John. They were, they were two of the John's friends. That was Gren and Dolores Ed. Okay, I can't believe you remember their names. Okay, I didn't recognize them to be honest with you. It's been a while since I've seen them. Okay. I guess. Um, but also, they had marks on their hands where they were being chained, like. Daniel, if anything's and, taught me in this show, it's to be skeptical of everything. I'm just yeah, saying, sure. Fair enough. don't take it at face value. I could be completely wrong, but Man. I would say <laughs> the show's just made you so skeptical. I'm just paranoid. Yeah. Um, um, go ahead. No, I, the other thing it's just the mutineers don't really seem like they have much of a plan other than to stay at Craster's and live like kings for. No, as I'm long not as saying they, that they would have a plan. I'm saying that they've they'd already been got uh, they, that. Um, uh, what's his mm. name? Um, Mance. Mance had already gotten to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, which is also possible so now they agree on something else john says we have to go and kill these mutineers before mance does so that they don't find out how shitty the situation is at castle black is really what the situation is yeah um, if, if mance knew he would just send his full force and just wipe them out yeah which would i mean it's probably gonna happen anyway i mean based purely on the numbers here although they have a giant wall which does help yeah i'm not, I'm not sure what mance's uh strategy ever like when was it not gonna be throw everybody at the wall yeah so you know? i mean it's like what what's changed so you find out that there's only 100 people there you're gonna do it sooner i don't like i don't what's probably i guess maybe a le little bit less uh cautiously lay the he could have said he could have tried to send more people over the wall at some point i don't know um either way you can probably assume that the plan probably won't go as planned. <laughs> um, again, this is just me being paranoid because everything on the show definitely never goes as planned. <laughs> um, sometimes it's good things. Most of the time it's not. Um, either way, only a hundred men uh, on the wall is pretty small. Um, considering you, when you have archers like uh, um, Egret and you have giants yeah. on the other side, it's probably not going to, I mean, <clears throat> the wall counts for a lot, but not that much. I mean, yeah. I mean, if they can, if people can climb over it, I mean, what's to say that you just don't start having everyone climb? You know, like why not? Yeah. <laughs> um. So this is where we get to the interesting part of the episode. Well, a lot of this was pretty <laughs> no, badass I'm already. I'm just, I'm just kidding. It's the only time that Danny's actually done anything, so it's interesting because for that reason alone. <laughs> and she's so badass. I loved it. You think she was badass? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I don't think so. Let me. T we'll get into this in a second. Okay. So okay. So they finally reach Marine. Um, I really like the way that they kind of pan from the starting from the right, and you see like these pyramids. And you're like, oh, those are pretty big. Those are some pretty big pyramids. And then like, boom, massive pyramid. You're like, whoa, those yeah. are. And it's like not even just like a little bit bigger, but like way, way, way bigger than the other pyramids that are in Marine. Um. So she gets there. It's. Reminiscent of season two when she gets to the walls of uh, Yunkai, right? And uh, not quite the same. Obviously, there isn't just a lot yeah. of talking like uh, what happened there. Although she doesn't have her dragons here for some reason, which is odd to me. Um, well, almost... she, they're not really battle ready yet. No, I guess. But like, it'd still be pretty intimidating, don't you think? Yeah. Might have been. <laughs> also, probably just a budgetary reason from the show. Just <clears throat> never really touched on. Yeah, they're expensive. Um, so anyway. Um... So she the city sends out yeah. a champion to meet them. A champ, just a champion, I think is yeah, how it's pronounced. One dude and 
he's mouthy and pees at them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, okay, so then they decide, okay, who's going to face this champion? And then all of her generals kind of say, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. No, pick me, pick me. Uh, but they're all too valuable, quote unquote, to her. So she sends Dario because I guess she obviously doesn't care about him, right? <laughs> and um, he does this pretty badass move where he throws a knife and hits the 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 horse in the face, and then decapitates someone. So it's already ten times more interesting than what happened when she reached Yunkai, because someone yep. got decapitated, um, which is cool. But then she does this whole speech, and okay, this is where okay, it's not that badass to me because a uh, she's like at least like a kilometer away and a, up below a giant wall. How is she talking to all these people? There's just no way. You just assume that the voice carries. There's no, a little echoey there. <laughs> There's no way. <laughs> I don't care how loud you're, unless you have a megaphone. And even then, but it's like, no. okay, anyway, that's just, forget that's about that. Nitpicking, nitpicking. Um, and she also stands really close during that whole like fight scene. Like she's like, Dario's right there. Yeah. And like, she's like right yeah. next to him. It's like, that's probably, you want to back yeah, what up happens a little if bit. That guy misses a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, that, anyways, that, those are just, like, little things that bother me. But then she does this whole speech, um, kind of um, planting seeds of rebellion, I guess, in the city with the slaves, saying, hey, you know, your enemy is next to you, blah, blah, blah. Like, these slaves used to be slaves, now look, they're standing behind me, free, although, you know, how free they really look is, I guess, up to you. Yeah. But, okay, what, what, what bothers me is that, you know, sure, yeah, like, I'm you're, I'm, I'm Danny, I free all these slaves or whatever, Um but then you come to this place where, you know, it doesn't look like they're being treated that badly. Sure. It looks pretty nice there, actually. And uh, Well, you don't really know that. No, they're I guess. Slaves. Sure. No, I get that. But they've known, no, they've known nothing else their entire lives, right? And uh, this this person just comes and tells you, hey, you know, hey, like, like, what are they, who are they to believe this person? You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. That's a big part of what Danny's doing there. She's, that's, that's why. <clears throat> they're fighting her so much she's really disrupting their way of life she's throwing a cog in everything that i mean it wasn't perfect because there were there were slaves but they had everything was going pretty well for them you know sure yeah no they, they were they were used to it they're living they're pretty much they're living in a tropical paradise and they have sex slaves who wouldn't be happy in that visit like well they're not all sex slaves some of them are just they they, they mentioned that like thousands a, a couple thousand slaves were killed building those pyramids you know yeah so i mean so okay whatever they couple have hundred slaves, thousand, do lots something. of things for them most things yeah so, so they're, they're they're living well i get it um but it just seems i guess maybe it's just the first like this is the first thing she's taught saying to them so maybe it's just it, it, the first of many opportunities to kind of plant those seeds but what i see coming <clears throat> is you're, you're gonna see like next episode or whatever is that all these like um things are happening inside the city by these slaves that are rebelling or whatever some of them um but I'm just not going to, I just, I'm kind of like getting ahead of myself, but I'm just, if that happens, I'm not going to buy it. I'm just like, there's just no reason to believe just because she sent over a bunch of broken collars and barrels, you know, it's like, that's not, I mean, it's like, it's pretty showy. I'm saying it's great, but like, um, I just, I don't, I don't buy it as a, as a means to really like start anything meaningful yet. You know what I mean? I guess. Um, speaking of which, someone online mentioned, I uh, thought this was pretty funny. It's like, what if one of those giant barrels just landed on a whole bunch of slaves? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that'd be pretty ironic. Um, but you don't think that was badass when she said fire like that? Like, yeah, yeah, no. And the camera panned down and the music kicked in. That was like on the same level as Drakaris for me. That was badass. I've, I watched it like three times in a row. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's very yeah, it's very cool. Catapults are cool. <laughs> I don't I have to tell you, I was I wasn't as impressed as other people were. It's it's like saying that people who were really impressed by the final scene episode in season ten or episode ten of season three, the whole uh, Misa thing. I thought that was cheesy yeah. and lame. <clears throat> that one wasn't. Yeah, that one's kind of gay, but this one was better. So anyway, um, that really kind of touches on everything. Um, other than the fact, okay, so yeah, the dragons weren't there, but I wanted to mention this, is that uh, this week, actually, or maybe last week, um, George R. R. Martin revealed some concept art for a new book that he's doing for, like, telling the backstory of Westeros, like the untold mm-hmm. stories of Westeros, I think it's something like called like that. By the way, are you pissed that he's writing that? And yeah, like, fucking get it done. <laughs> um, anyway, and he showed Priority. There's, there's a, like, a concept art of, um, I guess, Aegon riding his dragon, mm-hmm. and show, like, how big they can get, and it is huge huge yeah <laughs> like oh, he's yeah. like he's like uh the size of um 
I don't know how would you describe it. If you put an action figure on top of a like a, a Great Dane, that'd be like the size of like a person to a, like the dragon. They always say the way they describe his size in the books, I believe, is that his mouth is large enough to fit like a horse and carriage inside of it. Yeah, no, yep, that makes sense. <laughs> um, so, I mean, I'm not sure how. Listen, I'm not sure how the show is going to be able to afford having dragons that big. Because I mean, yeah, they have to get big enough to be able to melt um, castles like they did, um, like we see the remains of. Where is that? Uh, Hall? Hall. Yeah. And so. It's going to happen. We've seen them get already pretty big. It's just like, I don't know how like a, a television show's, show's budget is going to be able to handle three dragons of that size. And maybe one will well, die. Or we'll two. see. Um, Who knows? You do. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. <laughs> um, so, some notable exceptions from this week's episode. Uh, so, still no Balon. We haven't seen him yet this year. Oh, yeah. Um, nothing from the Dreadfort today, uh, or this week. Um Nothing from Rickon. Uh, we saw uh, still nothing from him. That's like, three weeks now. I mean, again, he's not probably not doing anything very interesting. Yeah, he's just um, walking. That would be filler. You talk about filler. That would be filler. Um, nothing from Bran. Uh, we got some good stuff last week. And uh, yeah, th- am I forgetting anyone? I think that pretty much everyone else was touched on. Yeah. I always feel like I forget someone when I do this, but it's like there's so many characters <clears throat> that. Uh, it's hard to like decide which are the main ones and which aren't. I would argue that Rickon's not one of the main stories yeah, right now. Yeah, no, so. it's true. But it's just one of those things that you follow that they kind of yeah. split up, and you're like, okay, that I, I kind of want to see them reach wherever they're going to reach, you know, um, assuming they get there. But uh, that covers everything. Uh, do you have, overall impressions? Overall, uh, how do you like this? I love this episode very much. Okay, a lot of badass moments. That we we talked about, but just didn't say which ones were so badass. The Magnar Then was badass when he said he was going to eat the parents, and then he just let the kid go. And he, oh yeah, that's right. Yes, that was pretty badass. <clears throat> I thought Oberyn Martell. When you said, uh, "What was your favorite conversation? Your favorite dialogue?" That you My said favorite was uh, Tywin and. Uh, oh yeah, and Tommen. Tommen, yeah. I'm saying Tywin and Oberyn is my favorite from this episode. That was a that good was one. Fantastic. Oberyn's always badass. Every time, every scene he's had so far has been badass but also like important and give you a lot of insight into the history and, and his relationship with the Lannisters absolutely so he's had a lot of very important scenes I love that character and then Daenerys was super badass <laughs> um there's a common theme though so your favorite was a Tywin and uh yeah and uh Oberyn scene mine was a Tywin and uh what's his name Tommen Tommen scene so there's a common theme here <laughs> yeah. that pretty well, much any scene said Tywin, a few times yeah is he any scene with Tywin, particularly scenes with Tywin and Lady Olena, are particularly great. Um, Tywin's just a great, I think he's just a great actor. And, yeah, and Charles Dance has done a great job with that. Yeah, it just amazing job. Um, I really liked it. If I had to rank my uh, the three, just for, I mean, you wouldn't, but if, I, if you would, um, it would be, I guess, um, episode two being number one, uh, episode three, uh, like this one being right underneath it. And then the first episode being my least favorite so far this season. Um, I think this might be my favorite this season. Episode three. Really? Yeah. I guess that you got that was yeah. going to happen. I, the, the, it wasn't like a huge surprise for me. I was just waiting for it to happen. I was trying to keep my mouth shut. Well, I now. think I, some, lots of people were saying that that could have even happened at the end of last season. Like people were, some people were expecting, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, at one point I was. Yeah. So yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I was actually, they said like they were gonna start the season with a bang, so I was like, maybe they're doing that in episode one, but they had to set everything up first, which is fine, and it worked out well, so I'm yeah. not complaining. Yeah. Um, other than that, um, where do we stand with? Like, yeah, let's go over where do we stand with the murder mystery, who done it? Um, okay, yeah. So who do we have? Who can we cross off I guess the list? You we can cross can... Tyrion off the list. So near, no, no Tyrion. He was hardly on it in the first. No, place. Yeah, he was only kind of kind of on it. Then we can cross off Marjorie. Um, Marjorie, yeah, but the Mar- but the Tyrells are still kind of in play. So Olena's yeah, still in play as the head of the household of Tyrell. Um, obviously, I guess. He- sorry, here's one thing that was never mentioned, and I don't think it even bears mentioning. But you can cross Tommen off. He didn't poison his brother. Yeah, no, yeah, he didn't. I don't know. Which I- is kind of a common theme with a lot of assassinations, but <laughs> especially in the capital. Especially, yeah, with the with the the king's line, yeah. Okay, so uh, Ty- uh, Tywin's still very much in play. Um, so now we have a new suspect, Littlefinger, who we very we pretty much know he's involved in some way. Yeah. 
Uh, just not directly involved. Um, uh, you can cross Dantos off because he's dead, but he was involved. Yeah, he was in a little bit. He, he's he's involved in the whole setting up of Tyrion, right? So Dantos yeah. is done, is off the list. He was involved with Littlefinger. He's kind of like a sub sub bullet of Littlefinger. Yeah, he's a lackey. Yeah. So I want to know maybe who's the is Littlefinger? Who's the sub bullet? Or Littlefinger is the sub bullet to someone else, or if they're maybe. like um, on the you know partnered in some way. We know that he's involved. We just need to know with who. Um, the other thing that's notable, actually, we didn't talk about earlier, is that Littlefinger. I'm not sure if it's notable, actually. I, I don't know what they, if they did it on purpose or not. But when he breaks the necklace, then he he puts it onto the same like he throws it onto the boat with Dantos's body. I don't know if they're expecting that to be found at some point, if that's going to be a, a clue it, to what uh, happened to Sansa, right? Maybe, Yeah, maybe they're trying to set up, maybe she was killed, like he killed her and then killed Yeah, like because if there's a dead Although, body, then that's a dead end to the investigation as well, right? Yeah. Although, <laughs> unlikely if you find a dead body with a bunch of arrows in it that he <laughs> that he killed yeah, Sansa. I'm not sure you know? if that's something or not. No, I mean, it could saying. be. You're right. Like, I mean, I didn't take a lot of stock in the fact when, he was, when she was given the necklace in the first place. Like, I didn't take a lot yeah. of... Um, I was like, oh, it's just a necklace. Nice gesture. Turns out it wasn't. <laughs> um, but uh, so maybe it could it could play some, play out down the road. Um, is there anyone we're missing uh, as far as I guess we still have the whole third party um, magic side with yeah. Stannis. Um, other than that, I think that one other theory that was out there was Brienne just because she shook Marjorie's hand weird, but we didn't see her. And I don't know. No, I. That makes no sense. She's not that kind of person. She shook Marjorie's hand weird, who isn't involved. So that makes sense. That makes no. I don't yeah. I, like. There's some weird theories out there. That's for sure not a good one. <laughs> um, it's all about the details, man. Little details like that. No, I know. I guess we. There's still. Um, what's his name? The uh, Meister type Picel. Oh yeah. Uh, Picel still involved. Or still could be involved. Yeah, still could be involved. He could be again. Could be a sub bullet type. Uh, <clears throat> situation um Oberyn still could be involved oh, we learned this week Oberyn. that he's a master of poisons which and then they dress right away and saying you know hey he's like that's how i know he was poisoned which i guess is yeah duh but i mean if you knew he was poisoned if you did it you'd also know he was poisoned so yeah. <laughs> um but i think even okay well, I, that whole thing is that i think tywin even if he thinks Oberyn did it which he might still that he's too like strong of it like a political piece yeah. To be like, okay, well, let's just, you know, hang you or de- behead you or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, and he's much more willing to sacrifice uh, Tyrion than to um, do whatever Start it takes. With Dorne, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, although, do they even have much of an army down there? Probably not. Yeah, they do. Really? Okay. I didn't know that. It's They really haven't done a great job of explaining this. If you look at a map, Dorne's a huge, huge part. Yeah. So they have a lot of houses that feed into that, right? Like, so they're the, they have a lot of they're the liege lord for a lot of houses. So they have access to a lot of men. That a lot of houses that aren't even mentioned. That scene in the first episode where Tyrion is getting pawed to name the different yeah. banners and stuff like that. In the book, that's a lot longer, and like obviously there's a huge procession of people, but you know there's dozens of houses there that are sworn to the Martells. Okay. Well, yeah. Like they just make it come off like it's just a, like. It's a desert where everyone has sex all the time. Like that's what that's really what. Well, it, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. <laughs> but like, there's obviously more to it than that. That there's is, more they, to it. Like, and they make good wine. They're very different than. Uh, they're the most distinct of the of the kingdoms, I'd say. Like they they uh, they aren't so much about you know plate armor and long swords. They're about spears and poisons and arrows and ninjas and stuff like that. You know, not ninjas, but like stealth. Like. And it's hard to explain, but they're they're, they're very distinct in that. They're and like, they're very so they're powerful. like ninjas. All right, that's going to be Fine. the <laughs> the title of today's some episode: of them, like some ninjas. Of them. Um, other than that, I think that pretty much we're getting up to our hour long. Uh, Has it like, been time already? Limit. Yeah, and Damn. so make sure to check out Dan's written review. It'll be up yep. by soon, I'm guessing, um, on the soon website. As I get some internet. Yeah. <laughs> Tower of Babel. Um, podcast.com that's b-a-b-b-l-e.com um and uh make sure to follow us on twitter at tower babblecast same way b-a-b-b-l-e and uh facebook follow us on you know like us on facebook what else i think that pretty much covers everything oh yeah send us any questions don't spoil anything though if you send me an email and it's it has a spoiler in it um we'll find you yeah i'll find you i'll send some dornish ninjas after you (laughs) <laughs> I'm gonna send ninja. That's a bad way. To <laughs> um, other than that, yeah. Uh, 
we'll be back next week and we'll talk about season four episode four Oathkeeper. Today's Game of Thrones theme cover was performed by Scott Bradley. It's the Game of Thrones the Smooth version featuring Dave Cause. You can find Scott Bradley on YouTube at youtube.com slash Scott Bradley Loves Ya. Thank you.